0: While everything else is being taken, you have mandated access. That never will your access to the oil and wine of heaven be hindered. That in the middle of the worst circumstance, you can go. How? Ah. God is for me. Who can be against me? Today with Catherine Ruinala. Well, I was sharing the other night about happy thoughts. If you've ever read the Peter Pan fairy tale, Peter was able to fly if he fixed his thoughts on something happy. Well, praise the Lord. It's wonderful to have fairy tales. But the good news is the word of God is not a fairy tale. It's the truth. And the truth of God is that he wants us to fix our minds on things above, things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. And in in a world where there seems to have been so much anxiety and fear and and, and unsettled uncertainty, God is our anchor. God is our hope. God is the one that wants to be our ever-present help in time of need. He is our happy thought. And In the middle of the night when the thoughts are coming and you're you're feeling yourself going down a negative trail, know that there is a war going on. The enemy wants to take you into despair, into discouragement, into unbelief and into fear. It's a very human thing, but our God... He says, I have made a way for you where there seems to be no way. He says, I am your peace. That he is perfect love who casts out all fear. Hallelujah. And he wants to be your help. In the middle of the night when you feel like you're drowning, "Ah, help me, I'm drowning. He's there saying, look at me. Remember Peter when he was stepping out on the water? Everything was fine until he started to behold the wind and the waves. And then he started to sink down. My sister wants me to go paddle boarding. And I'm like, it's cold. She says, well, you don't go in the water. I'm like, yeah, but what if you do? (laughs) If you're thinking about the water and the winds and the waves and the circumstance, that as soon as he put his eyes there, he began to sink. And Jesus immediately rescued him. He immediately had him by the hand. Instantly, he was back in the boat. And you know, that's the thing God does. As soon as you cry out, help, Jesus is there saying, here, I'm right here. And he is our solid ground. Hallelujah, when we go, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. He's like, "Mm, I gotcha, I gotcha. But if you keep your eyes on, he said, why didn't you keep your eyes on me? And the heart of the Father is for us to be able in the midst of those moments when you feel like you're starting to drown, when you feel like you're being a little overwhelmed, God wants to be our glory and the lifter of our head because he wants us to know that whenever we lift our eyes to see him, he is always happy to see you. He is smiling at you. That when you look to him, he's not there growling and, and, and condemning you or browbeating you. He is there looking at you and loving you. My favourite verse, in well, one of my most favourite verses in the Bible is an uh, unusual little one. It's where Jesus is interacting with the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler doesn't want to, give everything up to follow Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. (sighs) He looked at him and loved him. The reason I love that so much is because he's done that to me. I've seen him look at me. And he has the power to look at you and totally overwhelm you with simply a look. The eyes are the window to the soul. And when Jesus looks at you, he loves you. He doesn't just sort of think, I love you because I have to. He looks at you with soft eyes that are in love eyes. I remember, um, I think it's probably 19, 1993, '94. I was going along to all these crazy revival meetings. I didn't like some of them. I'd walk out offended out of some of them. I thought it was very, you know, not very respectful. And they're all laughing. I'm all laughing and I'm all just crying because I'm serious about God. Oh, God, touch me. I didn't like a lot of it. So I'd walk out and i keep coming back because my heart was just hungry. There's so something here. It doesn't feel comfortable but I can't stop coming because I'm so hungry for God. And revival does that. And so I was in the midst of one another one of these laughing meetings. <laughs> and I actually had laryngitis that night. No voice. And I was back on the altar again, crying. And the glory of God touched me and I fell on the floor. And as I was lying on the floor, I happened to turn my head and opened my eyes, and I had an open vision. This might seem strange, but I tell you, it so deeply impacted me. Lying on the floor next to me was the Lord, and he was looking at me in the face. And the way he looked at me... Have you ever seen someone that's silly in love? They're just, like, besotted, and their eyes are just soft. That's how he looked at me, and I lost it. I laughed, I cried, I laughed. No one could hear me, because I had laryngitis. (laughs) You know, now, however many years later that might be, still in the middle of the night, when the enemy comes and says, let's think about this, let's be sad about this, I go looking for a happy thought. Maybe I could think about, I could think about my kids. But then if I think about my kids and I'm in a negative frame of mind, the enemy could easily come in and say, well, yes, but you know, what if, what if this happens to them? Or, 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 you know, or if only you'd done a bit more here if only, if, and remind you of things that you maybe regret or, or things that you could worry about in the future. So try and find something else. I'll think about my wedding day, oh, that's wonderful. But you know, oh God, I hope that you know, you'll look after Tom in the future and <laughs> there's always something you can worry about. Yeah. And i found that the only thing when I feel like I'm drowning is his face. Because if I can see his eyes, I put in front of me that picture of him on the floor next to me looking at me. And everything comes back into perspective. In his light, we see light. You know, often when you recall an encounter you've had with the Lord, it's a doorway into another encounter. Why? Because as you behold him, in his light we see light. Hallelujah. Thinking of his face, there's, it's the only thought in which there's no possibility of fear or regret or shame because when he looks at you, he doesn't even remember your sin. It's, it's, it's as though it's never happened because he's justified you. He's sanctified you. He's qualified you. He's forgiven you. And and when he looks at you, he doesn't have any regrets. He doesn't have any sense of, oh, Lord, she's she's a a worrisome one. (laughs) He looks at you and he is full of love, overflowing with love. In fact, he says of us in Psalm 19, they are my majestic ones in whom is all my delight. And God wants by faith to have you believe that when he looks at you, you are his saint, his majestic one, and in whom is all his delight. It's easier to believe that he's a bit cranky. It's easier to believe that he's a little bit disappointed because that's how we feel about ourselves all too often. Truth is, when he looks at you, he loves you. Yes. It's my goal in life. I just want to be able to look at people and see them overwhelmed and undone with the love of God. That God would leap through my eyes and love them. I read about that in Brother Yun's book that when they were in prison and they they couldn't they weren't allowed to talk to each other. They'd strengthen each other by looking at each other. Wow. This is the one thing they couldn't stop them doing. Because so much love can be communicated through a look. So much strength can come through a look of love. Psalm 27 is one of my favourite psalms, if you want to have a look there. We've been talking a lot about the key of David. David had a connection with God. Saul... He didn't have a connection. He had a belief in the existence of God. He knew the necessity of having God on your side, but he didn't approach God himself personally. Even when he was rejected, even when things went bad, instead of going to God going, oh, God, why have you forsaken me? Please don't forsake me. Come, help me. He never cried out to God himself. He'd cry out to a prophet or he'd go to a, a a medium or somebody to try and get some connection with God. But the key of David is that you and he would talk face to face. You see, when you have that, you've got everything. Because when you look at him, (gasps) repentance comes because you only want to please him. And when you look at him, strength comes. All fear goes because his perfect love casts out fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 27 I think is really interesting, we're not told specifically when it was written but it's likely that it was probably written during the time that Doag the Edomite had just betrayed David and they'd come in and slaughtered all the priests that had just helped him and it's a really low point. David has incredible promises but it's as bad as it just about gets. He's being hunted by the king. He's been slandered and lied about. The army that he's been anointed to lead has been told that he's a traitor. People are being killed for his sake. And it's, it's devastating, but this is what he writes. I love it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries, and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I will be confident. This is the faith that David had because he knew who his faith was in. He didn't have faith in a, a concept, he had faith in the face. He had faith in the reality of who he had talked to since he was a youth, hallelujah. I love this psalm because, and it's interesting, some people have thought maybe it's two psalms stitched together because it seems to vacillate between faith and confidence to anxiety, to back to faith to a bit of concern, back to faith, and finishes on hope and exhorting everybody else on hope. But I don't think it's two psalms stitched together. I think it's probably more likely that um, maybe he would go go away and come back and work on it. I know when I'm writing a song or I'm writing a book, it's like you come back to it, it's like you wanna write about whatever you're currently experiencing. Or it may be that just like you and I in the middle of the night, vacillate between confidence and oh, what about this? Confidence, (laughs) what about this? Back to confidence. And I like that picture, because David didn't go back and rub out the, the worry bits. He left it in there for us to see that we can all feel like that sometimes. In fact, even Jesus, in the garden, about to go to the cross, he was praying, anguishing, with tears that he, he was shedding tears like they became like blood, drops of blood, his sweat. It was so in anguish over what was about to happen. And I know he wasn't in fear, but he understands the pain. He understands what it feels like to be overwhelmed and to be all alone. And he knew that he needed in that moment when his emotions were being so assaulted, he knew where to find his strength. His strength couldn't be found in a human. They didn't have the capacity to fully understand. God wants us to recognize that when we find him, we're in the place where no one else, no one else has the capacity to help him like us. And we find that supernatural strength. God will strengthen you every single time. It was the key of David. David found God in the place in Ziklag where he was abandoned by everybody, had lost everything. It was as bad as it gets. And yet after he had cried, and he did cry, says David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Not just the God of Israel, but his God. This is the key. He says this, one thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. David's been banished from the temple. He's been banished from the people. And instead of praying, one thing I've desired, that I would be left alone by the king and that he fulfilled all his promises for me. No. no, the one thing he's desiring is to behold the beauty of the Lord. Why? Because he knows that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added. So that there is only one thing that's needful. There is only one thing that will satisfy your soul. I remember years and years ago, um, going to pray one night, and I'm praying all the different things, praying all the things, and I still was feeling this. And so I just said to God, what do I want? So I'd asked about everything I could think of. What is it? What do I want? And I heard him speak. In fact, it was such an amazing night. I'd walked into my room to pray and I saw an angel waiting in the room for me. And I was, God's more excited about your prayer time than you are. And I'm praying, I'm praying, asking all these things, and it just, oh, what do I want, God? And he said, You want to be loved? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I want. And as I opened up my heart and got real and vulnerable with God and said, yes, that's what I want. He said, yes, that's what I want to give you. And as his, his love overwhelms our heart, then suddenly we're overwhelmed afresh with love for him and we respond, we love because he first loved us. And the glory of the Lord came in the room and it was magnificent. David understood this. One thing I've desired not because I'm holy and religious and this is good, because yes, I should want this. He knew that that was the one thing that his spirit was crying for. That was the one thing that he needed above everything else, because you can get it all, you can get all the promises fulfilled, you can have everything happen for you, and if you don't have this, your heart's still going to go, I'm still hungry, I'm still thirsty, what is it? Yep. Because you were created for one thing, yes. to be loved and to love him back. Yes. Hallelujah. So good. This is the verse I want to get to. It's so good. You need to read it all. I could preach this psalm for a long time. Verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, my, your face I will seek. When you said to me, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. God's heart desire for you is to realise and know your heart desire. He's saying, seek my face, not because it's like, seek my face because I'm God and you're wretched little person down there, seek my face. Sometimes we we think that God is somehow like us. When God says, seek my face, it's not because he's saying, hey, seek my face, but no man can see it and live. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Fruitless (laughs) efforts here. Go ahead. (laughs) He says, seek my face because he knows that David knows that that's what he wants above all else. And the Bible tells us, seek and you will find. Amen. Amen. I will be found by you. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremiah tells us, seek me and I will be found by you. The Bible tells us all the way through the book, Old and New Testament, seek me. I will be found by you. And God's desire is that you would know and recognize by the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eyes of your understanding would be set on fire, set alight to go, Ah, oh, there you are. I know who I'm talking to. Oh, yeah, God. You're my help. You're the only one who understands everything and I love you. Thank you for your help. And I, as you look and you read this psalm, it's fascinating. He says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn your servant away in anger. You've been my help. Don't abandon me. Don't forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my mother and father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Amen. In other words, he's going, Oh, it's, it's hot. I, I love you. Oh, it's hot. It's hot. He's not exaggerating. He had to send his parents to Moab so that they wouldn't be killed. And he's, he's got nothing and no one. But God will take me up. When I haven't got even the closest ones to me, even when my mother and father forsake me, you will take care of me. Even when I haven't got the ones that should be there for me, cheering me on even when nobody believes in me, even when nobody is for me, in this I will be confident. My God is for me. My God is for me. Hallelujah. My God will help me. He will strengthen me. He says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Don't deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Woo! I love that he wrote this psalm before he was king. While he was still in the wilderness, while he was still being slandered, while he was still being hunted, while he was still being rejected, he says, I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, the Bible promises us that he makes all Things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That there is nothing that the enemy can bring against you that God won't cause to work for your good. That if God is for you, who can be against you? That God, your God, will cause you to triumph, that he'll cause your heart to take courage. But you have access to what the world doesn't have access to. Revelation 6.6, in the middle of all the bad, sad, scary outpourings and bad stuff, it says right there in the middle, do not harm the oil and the wine. While everything else is being taken, you have mandated access that never... Will your access to the oil and wine of heaven be hindered? That in the middle of the worst circumstance, you can go, how... (sighs) God is for me. Who can be against me? My God causes my heart to take courage. My God is for me. You are my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamps against me, in this I will be confident. Oh, one thing I have desired. Yes, God, this will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold your beauty. That's so like Stephen in the midst of all the accusations and the horror had his face shining like that of an angel because he had access to the oil and the wine. He knew how to put the face of Jesus in front of him. He knew how to seek his face and find it. Yeah. And when you've got that, you've got everything. The enemy comes in and God says, seek my face. And you lift up your face and the enemy turns pale. Yeah. Ah, run away. Because in his presence there's fullness of joy. As you behold his eyes, the perfect love of God casts out all fear. In his light you see light. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you say, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Let the weak say, I am strong. Hallelujah. You know, you have control over where your thoughts go. The Spirit of God in you as a born-again believer has given you the spirit of self-control. That means when you feel like you're spiraling down into negativity or fear or despair or discouragement, and the enemy is surrounding you and giving you all sorts of reasons to think about this bad, bad, sad, scary thing. Think about this. Oh, let's regret this. Let's think about that. If only this, if only that. Oh, 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 oh. Anybody know these voices? <laughs> they are unwelcome trespassers who need to be told. I, 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 I know who you are. Get out of here in the name of Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to put before me my happy thoughts. Hallelujah. I want to finish today's program by telling you this powerful story. Our friend James was on his deathbed with last stage bowel cancer when the impossible happened. James had cancer in his bowel, in his lungs, in his lymph nodes. They'd done an operation to remove the the main tumor, but then the bowel stopped working. And the doctor said he had about 48 hours left to live. Well, we went in and we prayed. He looked so bad. I said, James, you look terrible. Let's take a photo. This is gonna preach really well. And we celebrated, we worshiped and we left. We didn't see anything in the natural happen at that stage. But then the following night, Jesus walked into his hospital room. He had a seven hour encounter with God and woke up well. Today, seven years later, James is still cancer-free, teaching, prophesying powerfully in our church. And I want you to know that even when it seems like there's no hope, God can still move. I love mentoring people and I get requests from people all over the world for mentoring. And so we have a monthly partners, mentoring zoom that is just so life-giving we see uh, all our monthly partners come together we we do a couple through the month for different time zones so that you can ask questions and we can have discussions about the latest thing the lord's saying and doing i'd love for you to be a part of that i'd love to be able to connect with you as one of our monthly partners if you want to join and be a monthly partner today go to the website i'm looking forward to seeing you